0: This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingalls Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, everybody, welcome to tonight's show, Ingalls On The Beat. It's Mike Griffith here and really excited about tonight's show. I'm going to talk a lot about the college football playoffs. I want to recap my thoughts on Georgia's 63-3 win. And on our second segment, Jim Nagy. The executive director of the Senior Bowl is going to join me. We're going to talk about some of the Georgia guys that are headed down there, what their draft grades look like, maybe some other guys on the radar. But I got to start with 63 to 3. I've been very outspoken on this, and, and I don't mind throwing my opinions out there and ruffling some feathers. And, and you all know that. But to me, uh the way Georgia and Florida State approach this game, th- this is instant classic stuff in the sense of. Opt-in versus opt-out culture. This is the case study for where college football is at. This is the case study for how people want their programs to be and how some programs actually are. And if you're a Georgia fan, you're going to like it because your team is on the right side of this equation. You had a team full of guys that wanted to play for each other, that wanted to finish the season, that handled adversity the right way right look we all get dealt adversity at times in our jobs and our lives and it's really not a matter of whether or not you're going to get dealt adversity at some point you're going to get knocked on your butt at some point you're going to be wronged and things aren't going to go your way and it's just not going to be fair i feel like i'm talking to a group of third graders here but i got to make this point we've really got to break this down into elementary code because believe it or not there's some people that are going Oh no, we understand those poor kids, their feelings were hurt, so they quit, and that's okay. You know what? Not okay. Not okay. Not how the country was built, not how champions are made, not what the growth and the maturity and the team building and all those talks right out the window. And the head coach having to make these excuses. I felt bad for Mike Narvell. He's, he doesn't believe what he's saying. He's not proud of these guys that quit, but that's what he's got to say because he's the coach. He just has to get through it. It's like having that bad stomachache. You just want it to go away, but there's going to be a process involved and it's not going to be pleasurable, right? And that's what that was for Florida. They just wanted to get, and listen, Kirby Smart, Kirby didn't run the score up. He pulled his starting quarterback at halftime He said, you know what, Carson Beck, you've had one hell of a season, but I can't let you break Stetson Bennett's single season record for passing. I've got to pull Carson Beck. Can't even get him through three quarters, which is usually the measure. Usually you at least let your starter go three quarters, but it was already 42 to three. So Kirby said, sorry, Carson, you can't have that single season passing record. It's going to have to wait for next year. I'm going to put in my number two. Then I'm going to put in my number three must champ. And then I've got a confession to make. And I hate to make this confession because it makes me feel stupid, but shame on me. But I'd never heard of the fourth quarterback that they used. I didn't know this guy. I can't even tell you his name right now. They played a guy that I'd never heard of. And I cover this team every day. This never been talked about by anybody. I, I if you if I would have bumped into this guy in person and he told me he played for Georgia, I would have needed some proof. They played four quarterbacks, two guys that had never taken a snap to keep the score down. So I don't want to hear any Florida State complaining. I don't want to hear anybody saying that Kirby Smart should apologize and, and Kirby saying that it needed to be fixed. That's a nice way of saying that a lot of these other programs don't know what they're doing and don't have their kids bought in. That's what needs to be fixed if I was a Florida state booster and I don't think I could be a booster for any sport, because I don't know about you, but I don't have that kind of money. Number one. And number two, if I did, I'd probably put it into my own kids trust. But if I was a booster that had hundreds of thousands of dollars to throw into a program for somebody else, I don't think I could do it if kids wouldn't play in the bowl game and represent the university. I don't think I could do that. Um, But Georgia, on the other hand, made a lot of people proud. Their players made a lot of people proud by opting in, by pulling together, right? And that was important. And it represented what Kirby Smart has built at Georgia, okay? Missouri did too. Missouri did it. Everybody opted in. Everybody played in that game. I just think it said so much. For the University of Georgia and the way those players feel about their fans and the way the fans feel about the players, when Kirby was given the mic, and you may not know this, but right after the game, I don't know if his speech, to the, the first thing he did was thank the Georgia fans that were there. The first things he did was thank the Georgia fans that followed his program. That's the first thing he did. When they said, what did this say? He said, it says a lot about these people that support Georgia football. This relationship that Georgia fans have with their football program is huge. And it it happens a few – like I said, Missouri was all in. They had that special season. But for Kirby, this has become the standard. This has become the norm. This is how – this is why Georgia won 29 games in a row. This is how Georgia won back-to-back national championships. With this level of commitment, with these sort of leaders, Kendall Milton, Cedric Van Praan. Kamari Lassiter, these are the guys that were at the very forefront of, we're going to opt in. We're going to play this game. We are going to finish what we started. The entire Georgia football team was at the finish line in Miami. Brock Bowers and Amarius Mims were on hand. They started together. They finished together. And Kirby kind of told us earlier in the week, I don't think people talk enough about finishing. He said that. Georgia finished that says everything that's what it's really all about when they take the wins and the losses away it's really all about teaching people to deal with adversity and finish strong together and play for something bigger than yourself that's what george did i mean you know that's why people oh you know that game right i said no no that game was beautiful that game says everything that game says right and wrong one program where people are bought in to their program to their teammates to their institution, their coaches, their fans, and another program that's not. Hey, if it's not good for me, I'm out. And left teammates behind. Remember when Kendall Milton said after the SEC championship game, I'm not going to abandon my brothers, I'm going to play? Van Pran caught a whiff of that. He goes, the plan is to play. He heard Kendall, he's in. And then it just happened. The leaders set the mold. And Georgia needed that. Let's be honest. Last offseason was very challenging for the University of Georgia. I don't need to repeat. It's been very well documented. It was an extremely difficult off season for the University of Georgia. There were people that raised a lot of questions about this team and this leadership. They responded. They responded and they validated themselves and they showed people who and what Georgia football is. And this offseason, Georgia is going to go into it with a lot of momentum. And a lot of people, that was the most watched Orange Bowl in like seven years. A lot of people were tuned in, and they got to see a classy Georgia program. They didn't see anybody running it up. They didn't see any taunting. They didn't see any inappropriate celebrating. They didn't see a coach, you know, stepping on the gas and putting 80 or 90 points on the board. And let's be honest, if Kirby wanted to score 80 or 90, they could have done it. If he wanted to make a statement, a really loud statement, he could have done it. But the statement he made was class was first class, was giving the kids an opportunity to play. Third, fourth-string guys, everybody on the roster going the game. Everybody had an opportunity. And play hard because this is your chance. I don't think people realize how hard these guys work year-round for these 12, 13, 14 opportunities to get on the field on Saturday. I mean, we're talking, yeah, 20 hours a week preparation as a team, but their own treatment their own training, their own uh, meeting, Cedric Van Prant's calling meetings off of the clock with players. Hey, get in here. We're going to get ready for this game. This is what Georgia does. And Kirby said that. He said, at Georgia, the job's never done. He said, at some, maybe some places, you get to this point this time, there's one way to do it. And it's all out. And why wouldn't you want to be your best and apply yourself? This is what makes Kirby Smart special. And people say, oh, you know, you just, you cover Georgia, so that's, no, 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 no. I've been critical. There's been times I've been critical of Kirby. There's things I've second-guessed over the last seven years. But when he does it right, and let me tell you, Kirby got this one right, man. And the way Georgia handled this, I know he's so proud of them. I know the entire university is so proud of these football players and the way they handled this situation. Because they didn't have to. They could have opted out. They could have said, you know what? We won 29 games in a row. How do we go from number one to number six? Nobody does that. Steve Spurrier told me that. Spurrier told me. I was having a conversation with two weeks ago. He goes, wait a minute. These guys win 29 in a row. They lose one game by three points, and they drop down to number six? He said, I don't think I've ever seen that. That's Steve Spurrier taking up for Georgia, folks. So Georgia had a case. Kirby made his case. But all the talk, well, poor Florida State, poor this, poor that. Don't you feel sorry for, you know, you know, somebody said to, to Mike Norvell, you know, boy, I, you know, or somebody asked Kirby, you know, aren't you worried about going into a hornet's nest when you play Florida State? Kirby said, we got a hornet's nest right here. And they did, and they played like it with passion. Um, I was impressed with Carson, um, impressed when Carson came back, impressed when Carson said he can make huge improvements before next year, right? Um, I, I'm going to accentuate this point later, but I had a, I had a quick take I got to share with you. I, I know there's some Georgia fans, and, and nobody's ever happy. There's always a 10% that's never going to be happy. I get that. But but this Mike Bobo stuff is so misguided. I'm going to throw this at you real quick. I'm going to tell you that Georgia dropped off on every position offensively from last year to this year. Okay, I'm going to tell you that sixth year Stetson Bennett was better than first year Carson Beck because of his ability to make plays with his feet right now if carson had had a better supporting cast then maybe that wouldn't be the case because i think carson's every bit as talented and i agree with kirby that georgia could have won a national title with carson Beck the last two years i'm on board with the head coach when he says that but for the sake of this exercise i'm going to go sixth year stetson over first year carson okay your backfield you lost kenny mcintosh you didn't have a pass catching back all right you still had kendall and and you had him last year you dropped off there you dropped off at receiver because of lads injuries when Lad's in there, he's unbelievable. He's fantastic. If Lad comes back, he's a thousand yard receiver and a Heisman guy next year. Lad McConkey, folks, is unbelievable when he is healthy. And you saw that play. I mean, that play just knocked me back. Like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy's ridiculous. Unfortunately, he missed a lot of playing time and he only played in nine games. So you weren't as good there. You lost to Donnie Mitchell or Adonai Mitchell, however he's pronouncing it now. You lost him. Ra Ra got hurt, didn't finish. Right? Love it wasn't the 1,000-yard receiver we thought he might be. You dropped off there. You dropped off at tight end because Brock missed four games, and when he came back, he was hurt. That's a drop. You lost, You dropped off on the offensive line, and, and I love me some Ernest Green. I'm a huge Ernest Green proponent. Uh, I, I, this kid, I, I found him out in California, and Georgia was recruiting him. I sat down with him half an hour. This I love this guy. He's articulate. He's smart. He's brilliant. He's going to be fantastic. But Ernest Green, the redshirt freshman, was not as good as first-round Broderick Jones at left tackle. And Amarius Mims got hurt, too, and missed some time. So there was drop-off in every position group on offense from last year. And Mike Bubbo still had this incredible third-down percentage and still had Carson with the completion percentage record and still averaged 40 points a game in his first year with the first-year starting quarterback and all these injuries at receiver from week to week and a brutal schedule. As it turned out, Georgia's schedule actually did amend. And remember at the beginning, everybody said, oh, yeah, Georgia's got an easy schedule. Before the dust settled, that schedule did in. I'm going to talk about that when I get to my third segment. My second segment, though, is coming up. And, again, Jim Nagy is going to join us. He's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk to Jim about some of the Bulldogs that are going down there to Mobile, Alabama. And this all-star game is a very big deal. The, the NFL, it's basically uh, an in-person interview for the NFL. All the teams are there. All the coaches are there. And the players get to be coached by NFL staffs. I mean, it's really an, an incredible experience. We're looking forward. Dog Nation will be there uh, end of this month looking forward to that coverage. We do it every year. Um, Georgia's got quite a presence there. But uh, can't say enough about the Georgia Bulldogs and the way they handled that Orange Bowl, that preparation, that dedication, that commitment. I'll save my college football playoff thoughts for the final segment as well. Some pretty good football last night. Um some things became really apparent uh, with where Georgia fell short and why they weren't there. Again, we'll get into that, but what we saw from Georgia and the way they finished to me was a great moment in Georgia football history, seven straight bowl wins for Kirby. Now 20 straight wins for Kirby when he's got more than a week to prepare 20 straight. That goes back to the Texas sugar bowl after the 2018 season. Seven straight top 10 finishes. I got people, I had a guy tell me today, I'm voting Georgia number two on the AP poll. They may finish two. I'm more inclined to think three, but they may finish two. That's a heck of a season. That For a team that had all these injuries, that's a heck of a season. For a first year starting quarterback, go look it up. See how many first year starting quarterbacks in the SEC finished in the top five. It's tough when you gotta change quarterbacks. You lost your All-American middle linebacker at midseason. Your Butkus Award finalist voted one of the three best linebackers in the nation the year before. You lost him half a season. Nobody even talks about that. Think about that. Georgia has had so many guys drafted and so much attrition, and here they are again in the championship mix, year after year after year after year. It says everything about Kirby Smart. Huge. Huge. Um, some news breaks, you can check dognation.com on this, Julian Humphrey entering the transfer portal. I know everybody's ready for this to be over with, right? The whole portal, who's in the portal, who's not. I think Kirby's managed this well. Kirby said, hey, portal's not a bad thing. Portal's a good thing. Guys guys that aren't gonna get on the field after two or three years, those guys need to go. He's a little disappointed when it's younger guys that haven't you know, given it a chance, that he hasn't had a chance to develop um but i think this has worked for georgia you got to have some natural attrition you know you don't want a guy who's unhappy on your football team any more than you want somebody on your staff that's not happy with their job it doesn't work the best staffs have people that are motivated and growing same with the best teams and that's what georgia has and and if julian humphrey feels like he wants to measure some options somewhere else then he didn't need to be a part of georgia and somebody else will be lined up for that roster spot because it is a valuable spot. It's hard. Listen, Georgia football is hard, man. It ain't for everybody. They really do push these guys harder than most places. Kirby said that. Eli Drinkwitz said that. Or, no, excuse me, it wasn't Eli Drinkwitz. It was Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, said. The NFL coaches came and said, man, you guys really get after it. You know, the only place I've seen to get after it like this is Georgia. You know, it's the Nebraska coach telling you that the NFL types are telling. Kirby's told us that, and you always hear Kirby, oh, well, yeah, sure, coach's going to say Somebody else is telling you that. The training these guys get here, this is why the Philadelphia Eagles drafted so many Georgia players. This is why. This is why. Because of the level of commitment that these guys have. Hold uh, on. Checking my notes here. Because of the level of commitment, because of the training, because of the what? Now it, Now you're seeing um, – every time you turn on the TV the other day, what did we see? We saw Zamir White go front hard yards. We saw Swift jump somebody get in the end zone. We saw James Cook with the – you're starting to see Georgia guys all over the NFL now. It's happened. Kirby helped Nick Saban build that at Alabama with all the players he recruited and coached on deep. It's happening here now. The Kirby small, smart culture is here. One final thought on Mike Norvell. He's, he's worked very hard, and, and I give him kudos for turning Florida State around. He had some heavy lifting to do. He inherited a toxic program that was going down, a toxic powerhouse. And he has worked so hard to get that program where it's at. They're in the midst of building a $135 million, $150 million football building. Okay, This was a gut punch for him. There wasn't much Mike Norvell could do. He will work on building a better culture, I'll tell you that. He will focus on that, and this will be something that Florida State can learn from, right? Um, Just like Kirby did. Kirby had to learn from uh, the the Texas game. You know, he brought a quarterback who said he was going in the portal. He brought him anyway. He brought a guy that was a first-round pick. You know, the guy turned out to be a distraction. It worked against Georgia. Kirby said, you know what, from now on, only guys that are going to play. That's and that's and that and that's the way it was for the next three, four, five years. Hey, if you if and he said, if you're not sure if you're going to play, then you probably don't need to be there, right? You know, I'll tell you one thing I am sure about. I'm sure about Ingles. I'm sure about what I'm going to get every time I go to Ingles. I'm sure that I can rely on Ingles. You guys know that. We talk about that every Monday night this week, Tuesday night because of the championship uh, playoffs last night. But we talk about this every week about the service that we get, about the quality that we get. I want to take this moment. I want to recognize our sponsor, Ingles, once again. And when I come back, Jim Nagy is going to join me from the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk a lot more about the Georgia Bulldogs and other players in the
1: SEC. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices,
0: love the savings. Welcome back to the program. Uh, I'm going to talk about the college football playoffs, okay? And what happened last night? Michigan and Alabama, to me, was a sloppy slugfest. And I give both defenses credit for that. It's not like those offenses are just bad, okay? We know that because Alabama looked flawless against Georgia. Well, the difference was the Michigan front seven was able to disrupt that Alabama offensive line and put pressure on Jalen Milroe and Milroe cracked. He made bad decisions. He fumbled in the open field. He was sacked five times. Okay. Listen, this is, this is the tough pill to swallow. Georgia's defensive front was not championship material this year, period. Not one individual, not a coach, not a scheme. They weren't good enough. That's why they weren't in the playoff. Okay. They weren't good enough and offensively without a healthy Brock Bowers or a healthy Ladd McConkey they couldn't compensate for their defense not being good enough now we've gotten spoiled under Kirby Smart his defenses are always good enough if you look at run defense for Kirby 2017 2018 2019 2020 these guys are in the top 2 or 3 in the country in run not this year all right they weren't good enough and Kirby told you that he challenged his guys in the spring And I know you all remember this because I talked about it. He said, we don't have the train wreckers and havoc makers that we have had before. They didn't. There was no Jalen Carter. There was no Jordan Davis. There's no Devontae Wyatt. There's no first-round pick on this defensive line coming out this year. They don't have it. Those guys didn't get there. Now, that's not to say they won't next year. That's not to say that Nazir Stackhouse couldn't have a bang-up offseason and work himself into the first round, like Devontae Wyatt did. That's not to say Warren Brinson couldn't. That's not to say that uh, you know Big Baby won't develop into that. Jordan Hall or Christian Miller. That's not to say that it can't happen. But this year it didn't, and they weren't as good. Okay, Nolan Smith was special. Chaz Chambers did his job, but Nolan Smith was special, right? Michael Williams will tell you he didn't have the year he wanted to have. They didn't have championship depth at linebacker. All right, when Jamon Dumas Johnson went out, C.J. Allen, awesome. This this guy's probably a freshman All-American. I think Raylan Wilson was in, though. And it's first and 20 at the Georgia 28, and the freshman linebacker blows the coverage, and it's touchdown Alabama. You know what first and 20 means against the Georgia defense? 99 times out of 100? Bad things. First and 20 means very bad things against Georgia defense. But for Alabama, it meant a 28-yard touchdown pass on a broken assignment. Freshman backup, freshman backup, frustrating. Didn't have championship depth there, right? Secondary was solid, strong. Didn't have the Chris Smith playmaker. I really thought Javon Bullard should come back. I really thought that Javon Bullard, as talented as he is, the game changer that he is, this guy's an All-American in my eyes. This guy could have been a Thorpe finalist. He's one of the premier safeties in the country but he didn't have a great year. So he's going to be a second day pick. He's going to go second or third round. He comes back. He could be a first rounder. We saw Lewisine do that. Right? Same thing with Lad. Lad is, I can't say enough. I mean, I literally can't say enough how exciting of a player Lad McConkie is. You know, you might tell me, Hey, slow down here. Uh, uh-uh. uh I'm telling you Marshall Falk. I'm telling you Reggie Bush. I'm telling you Christian McCaffrey. When Lad gets in the open field and he's healthy, this cat is unbelievable, unbelievable, quick, fast. But he had a tough year. So now somebody's going to get Ladd McConkey for a bargain. They're going to get him in the second or third round because he didn't stay healthy all year, right? Remember that nonsense with N'Kobe Dean? When he came out, it's the same thing. It's not fair. It's not supposed to be fair. It's you know, Look, this guy's getting injured. Is he going to be healthy? I don't know. Let's not use the first round on. Okay, it, it hurts your stuff. What's Brock Bowers doing? Is it, does it strike anybody as odd that Brock hasn't announced yet? Is there any sliver of? I just wonder. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but is there a sliver of a chance that Brock Bowers is? Because here's the thing: now that there's nil, and now that there's payments, there's you. You can come back. It can make sense. Look, you can buy it. Well, what if they get? They got an insurance policy. OK, huge insurance policies. You buy insurance, you say, you know what? I could go pro and I could sign for this third round money or this second round money and this, you know, whatever, uh, you know, two, two and a half or three million dollar signing bonus of which I'll only get half of because of taxes. And then I'll have this contract worth, I don't know what, seventy hundred thousand dollars a year. Or I can stay another year and get paid by my school a ton of money with an insurance policy and then next year have a signing bonus that's three or four times as much and a base salary that's two or three times as much, right? Um, <laughs> I did not jinx this, I promise. I see that Brock, Brock Bowers actually declared for the NFL, just as I was saying that. He must be watching. Uh, sorry, Brock. Uh, I think Georgia fans were hoping. Um, but uh, but there's other players that are sticking around that could have gone pro. Tate Rattledge is a great example. Here's a guy that could have gone in the second or third round. Tate Rattlidge comes back. He's going to be in the Outland Trophy conversation next year. He's going to be a preseason All-American next year, and he's probably going to get some NIL money. So the point is the way that college football has changed. And for for the most part, most of it, I think a a lot of us traditionalists and like myself, you know, we didn't want to see college football change. But I've learned from Kirby. I've learned from covering Kirby Smart. I've learned I I learned from all the coaches that I've covered. Tom Izzo, Philip Fulmer, uh, Bruce Pearl, Gene Stallings you got to learn. I've learned from working with Spur. You've got to learn if you listen. And the thing that I learned from Kirby Smart is I don't waste time complaining about the rules. I don't waste time complaining about the structure. Right. I control what I control. If there's a change made, there's no point in whining about it. Figure out a way to make it work for you. Right. That's what Kirby does. He's efficient with his time and his effort. That's why he's so successful. He doesn't stomp and complain and, and whine. He says, all right, these are the rules. All right, let's. okay, here's how it's going to work. He's made this new NIL portal thing work for him. It's not the best for Georgia. It's really not. But he's found a way to make it work for Georgia, right? And I think fans need to see the glass half full. Now that you have NIL, it makes it more likely that guys will come back for another year. It gives you a chance for a guy like Tate Ratledge to come back for another year it gives you a chance there was a chance on lad mcconkey that was a very tough decision for lad mcconkey i know that it was there was a chance though you had a shot you had a shot at it right it gives you a chance to keep really talented players cedric van pran stuck around another year okay that was a big extra year for Seth. without cedric van pran i don't think you finish 13 and one i think he's that much of a leader and that's going to be the question now is who are going to be the leaders next year? We got a whole offseason to talk about that. And I can't wait to talk about that. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's going to be a discussion when you watch these guys like Trevor Etienne coming in. I can't wait for Etienne to get in. This guy is the most exciting back George has had since DeAndre Swift. He's a game changer. He's a home run hitter from anywhere on the football field. Um, thought it was huge, huge. Uh, other guys coming back. Stackhouse, Brinson, huge. Can they be the next Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt? Uh I mentioned Ratledge. Don't know what Truss is doing yet. Okay. Truss is a guy. If he can come back, he might want to do so, right? Because right now he's probably a free agent if he comes out. Love it. Right now it looks like Love It coming back. Now these transfers that came in could transfer out again. There's a new rule that's been passed. I don't think Love It's going to want to go back out. I just don't. I think Lovett realizes he's going to, you know, now that he's been in the system a year and he understands how things work at Georgia, I think he's going to be a lot more effective. I think he's going to take the challenge. And he's going to try for those 1,000 yards. He'd be the leading returning receiver. I like the Colby Young guy from Miami. Big red zone target. Um, the Vanderbilt guy, I, I, I need to see more of. I know he's, I know he's a great prospect and he's talented, but he hasn't had more than 51 yards receiving in an SEC game. And let's see how he adjusts to the culture. It ain't easy. Not easy beck's coming back Beck says he's got to take huge improvement he does because beck didn't look as dynamic against florida state as i thought he would and you know you might say well you know they were winning 42 to 3 but he missed on some throws and i've seen carson sharper before i've seen carson look better now now some of that might have been um you know on the receivers uh, again hadn't had a whole lot of practice with Ladd or bowers um throwing to different guys than he's used to i think that's huge And getting back to that comment I made earlier, I want to double down on this one more time. Um, Any take that Mike Bobo was a drop off from Todd Munkin is just categorically wrong. Okay. And Todd Munkin is a fantastic coordinator and a fantastic coach. I want to be clear on that. But you have to take into account that Bobo was working with a first year starting quarterback, he was missing his top receivers half the year. McConkie missed the first four games. Bowers missed a few games and wasn't healthy. They didn't have a first-round left tackle. They had a redshirt freshman left tackle. There was more pressure this year. And they didn't have a guy like Kenny McIntosh coming out of the backfield that could catch passes. They still had Kendall and Dajon. Both of those guys were were solid, and Kendall especially the second half of the year once he got healthy. I mean, he started to look like the runaway training showing flashes being throughout his career. But they didn't have that pass-catching weapon. So I think you need to take into account that there was drop-off in every position group uh, from last year. And Bobo still they, – and they scored 24 points against Alabama, by the way. That's what, uh, that's what Munkin scored his first time uh, twice against Alabama in Tuscaloosa in the next year, 24 points. And he didn't have a dominant defense on the other side. So th- that's my argument for the Mike Bobo people. Um, I don't like hearing that criticism. I think it's short sighted. I think it's low hanging fruit. It's people that don't want to admit they were wrong. that were critical of the hire. They need to stop. Um, Remember the first segment when we talked about the commitment level and how Georgia was different? That's the kind of stuff you got to clean up off social media because it makes your fan base look fragmented. And Georgia's really isn't. It really isn't. And you can see it uh, and you can feel it. Uh, and speaking of feeling it, you better make sure that your heating and cooling system is uh, working well, because things are about to get cold here in Georgia. Uh, I want to take this break right now. When we come back, I'm going to do a who's not, or excuse me, a who's hot segment uh, with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, and it's going to be brought to you by Anytime Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Anytime Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service repairs and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit AnytimeHVAC.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating cooling and plumbing but small enough to care welcome back to the program and jim nagy joins us now jim thanks so much i appreciate you coming back and uh when we last left we were talking about the senior bowl and again i'll let you give the crib notes version some people say well this is just an all-star game no 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 this is so much much more if you can give the crib notes version of why this event is so important and how it works i would really appreciate it i know our audience would too
1: yeah, Mike, thanks again. Am, am I better now? Is the video better? Is the Outstanding. Out- okay. Outstanding. Um, yeah, first off, I mean, the Georgia fan base is lucky to have you. Just listening to you, like, comment on your team and following you, like, man, you're a uh, – I mean, not, not every fan base has someone like you. This Georgia fan base is lucky. Um, but with the Senior Bowl, you've been a bunch of times. um you used to be down here. But, uh, no, it's it's a huge showcase for these players. Uh, it's a huge work week for the NFL. So my background, I was in the NFL for 20 years before taking this job. And this was always the week that we look forward to the most. I mean, more so than the combine. I, I look back on my time in the NFL and I feel like the the mistakes I made and the mistakes the teams I worked for made usually came from, you know, just putting too much stock into what happens when these guys are in shorts and T-shirts. So, um, you know, was, the Senior Bowl is real football. The whole NFL community is down here. I think we credentialed close to 1,000 NFL people last year, um, over 1,100 media members, it's on practices on NFL Network and ESPN. And uh, more than anything, you know, I just got off the phone to the uh, Power Five, kind of a a major program player this evening. um, And he was saying, you know, Jim, the the scouts have been through my school, like they've seen me. And uh, the difference is I said, yeah, the scouts have seen you and I was a scout. So I'm not trying to disparage the scouting community. Those are my people but there's a difference between scouts being on board with you and going through the school and knowing you and seeing your games as opposed to the guys that are going to be making the picks in April that's a huge difference you know when you get when you get gms and head coaches and position coaches and coordinators on board throughout the process it's huge and this is the one time they get a chance to really be around these players in a relaxed setting the combines very corporate you don't get a you don't get very much time with the players at all at the combine um, and sure, they can get on a plane and go down to Athens. But when they do that, like they're bouncing around from player to player. There's a lot of good players.
0: Looks like we lost Jim's signal there. Something something happened. He cut out. Um, and he's right. The in-person opportunity is what makes it unique. These players get coached by NFL staffs that are down there. There's two NFL staffs that are down there and they get coached um, by these staffs. So they get the FaceTime. they get that first person. They get to see how quickly this guy picks up the offense. They get to see how easily this guy handles hard coaching. Obviously for Georgia players, they're a dream. They get it, right? Kirby's tough on them. The the Georgia guys always say, yeah, we do all this stuff at Georgia. You know, we, we know what it takes Because we we do this at Georgia, you know, Georgia, the practices are actually harder. So the in-person stuff, as Jim was talking about, is invaluable. And Jim's back. But before he speaks, I want to share a a quick story about Jim. And uh, I didn't tell Jim I was going to tell this story. But but the Senior Bowl goes both ways, right? On the one hand, all these players go down to Mobile, Alabama. It's a tremendous showcase. And it's fantastic television. Fans go down there. They get all these autographs. And you might say, well, that's great for the Senior Bowl. Well, listen folks you know that i was in kenny mcintosh's house last year and as kenny was falling down the draft board i was shocked because i think kenny mcintosh is a fantastic back he had actually worked himself up to second string in fall camp in seattle before he got injured jim made a call jim knows the people in the nfl and he he made that call and he was able to make that call because he was around Kenny McIntosh. Cause he met him, he saw him, he watched him sign all those autographs for the fans. He watched him go through those drills. And he called the guy up and he said, Hey, we had this guy rated higher than the guy you drafted earlier. And, and this is an old friend because Jim is connected, right? The Seahawks. That was
1: what one of your three Super Bowl teams? Is that right, Jim? Yeah, no, I, yeah, that 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 did happen. Um, John Schneider is a good friend of mine, that probably my best friend in football, actually um and you're talking about uh zach charbonnet who they took in the second round so um yeah i called john and in the middle of day three i'm like what's going on like what's what's happening to kenny um and really what it was was the testing part of it you know he didn't have a great pro day he didn't have the testing numbers that a lot of teams want to see from running backs it had nothing to do with the football the football part was great you know unfortunately a lot of these teams get scared off by the testing part like i said you know, the mistakes we make, you know, as personnel guys, we put too much stock into what happens in shorts and t-shirts. So, um, I said, John, frankly, man, like Kenny McIntosh was our, our number one rated senior back, you know, uh, ahead of the guy that you drafted in the second round. And that doesn't mean we're right. Right. Um, but we can't be, we're not going to be that far off. (laughs) So, um, and you know, luckily Seattle, and again, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying this is why they drafted him by any means they liked him or they wouldn't have drafted him. But, uh, but no, you're right, Mike. I mean, that's that's something I do try to bring to our players. I mean, just my 20 years in the league and those relationships. Um, I get a vested interest in these players and they come down to Mobile and do a great job. I wanna I wanna have their back. So Yeah. Mark Mark Webb
0: was another guy that that's you know, draft struck was was not real high before he went down to the senior bowl. And then you put him out there playing football in drill work, safety and corner, and NFL teams go. Oh, this, this guy can really do some things because now he's not just coming in certain packages. They're getting to move these guys around and isolate him against other elite guys that are rated highly. And, and it can work both ways. Sometimes a guy, you know, maybe he's masked because he's part of a really elite unit. I remember way back in the day, I won't mention the team, but there was a center who wasn't particularly good. But he was on a championship team. He got down there, got into one-on-ones, got exposed a little bit. That's not going to happen with Georgia guys, though, because they practice against NFL guys every day. They're practicing against guys in Athens that are better than 90% of the people they're going to go up against in the Senior Bowl. And that's why I'm so confused whenever guys turn down opportunities to go there because, the look, you've already practiced against the best. You're going to have an opportunity to showcase that. Um, the good news is there are more Georgia guys going there. My last list, and I'm excited about getting to see Lad McConkie again. Uh, you might have missed the part of the program where I was complaining that he's not coming back to, to Georgia, Jim, because Ladd McConkey is an unbelievable – this guy is an unbelievable talent. He's a cheat code. He's a Marshall – this guy's a 1,500-yard receiver. He's going to put on one hell of a show at the senior bowl. I'm going to tell you that. He's going to be there. Van Pran's going to be there. Uh, Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint, he's going to be there. Tykey Smith's going to be there. Jim, have I covered all the ground? Is that where we're at right now? Those are four?
1: Uh, we've got a long snapper. Uh, a long snapper. So, yeah, and we've got uh, – and there was one other. We got a, a junior on board today who will remain nameless per NFL league rules. We cannot announce any of the juniors until a week from today. So we will uh, – we're having a Senior Bowl roster reveal special on the NFL network uh, next Tuesday night, and that Georgia junior will be among probably – 20 to 25 really good juniors. Um, This is our first year we can add underclassmen. So um, we just added him to the list today and it's gonna be a great group. So this will be, I tell people in Mobile when I do the local media stuff, this will be far and away our most talented senior bowl we've ever had um, because of this junior thing. And the the average fan might not understand it. The NFL certainly will. Um, I don't expect the average fan to. I mean, it's really hard to keep track of this stuff if you're not like watching these guys and I don't, everyone has real jobs, right? Like they're not watching tape, like, like NFL people are, but it's going to be exciting. We're excited about all these Georgia players. And if you want, we can, we can go through each guy, but, uh, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a great week. And we, you know, it's a small class at Georgia, you know, like they did a really good job. I mean, Carson Beck's going back. Nazir Stackhouse is going back. Uh, Warren Brinson's going back. I mean, Ratledge is going back. I mean, they got they have good players returning to that football team. So, um, and we're not done. I heard you talking about the running backs, you know, and, and, and Kendall Milton, certainly the second half of the year played great. Uh, once he got healthy, I think the durability thing is a question in teams' minds. Um, but he's going to be in the mix. I mean, right now we're trying to work through some of this junior stuff. It's kind of uncharted waters for us. Um, you know, again, all these guys are trying to figure out if they're coming out right now. And, so we're kind of waiting and seeing on some of these juniors. And if that falls through, we might have a spot for Kendall. So um, you know, Kirby hit me up about Kendall about three weeks ago and uh just said, hey Jim, like this guy's healthy now. Watch, you know, watch the late stuff on him. And we did. And he's like, you yeah, I heard you use the 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 freight train analogy. I mean, he's a big guy. You get him going. Uh you get him going downhill, he's a load. So um, and we all saw that in the in the orange bowl the other night. So we might not be done. We might not be done with the Bulldogs
0: high ceiling guy Uh, i know if you did a fan poll jim you would be overrun with georgia fans on kendall milton um just a high character guy and again there's a lot of competition for these spots for sure i want to ask one quick question before we go down the list of the georgia guys that are going to be there and kind of get your thoughts on you know where they're at and what they need to prove maybe some draft stock the opt-in versus the opt-out you've been a scout the times are a changing does it add some value? I know it doesn't necessarily get held against the guy when he opts out, but does it add a value when, when you go, wow, Cedric Van Pran, man, that guy stepped up and, and encouraged everybody to play for his teammates? Because it looks to me in the NFL, and I gave Michael Pittman as an example earlier, that guy took a vicious shot a couple of weeks ago. For all rights and purposes, he could have shut down for a couple more weeks after he hit like that. He's back out there trying to help the Colts win, though, and part of me goes, is that the same mentality at work here? Guys that love football, that feel that sense of commitment. Is that part of the psychological evaluation and and how much value is there to the Georgia guys and in, in, in the culture that Kirby's built? Does that add value to, to the dogs?
1: Yeah, there certainly, it, it adds value. I, I don't think, I think the league is past knocking players that opt out. I don't think they're holding that against them. I mean, it was only whatever that was, eight, nine years ago where Christian McCaffrey was the first guy to do it in I was sitting in the draft room in Seattle and and there was some choice words for Christian McCaffrey. We like, we couldn't believe he was doing it. We're like, what's this kid doing? Um, And now we're to the point where the league totally understands when guys opt out. But I do think it helps the guys that decide to play. And again, it's like, it's it's like coming to the senior bowl. Um, These guys aren't just being evaluated for this year's draft. They're being evaluated on that next contract, right? It's so like, the the hardest part for a team is the guy goes through the first four years five years on a deal, and that's they they pay those guys well, but they're not making life changing money at that point. You're not making you know you know eight nine figures um, on these contracts, so they want to find guys that love football. They want to find guys that really want to compete. And when you got a guy like Cedric Van Praan, who didn't have to play in that bowl game, he could have easily opted out. He's going to be one of the top centers drafted. I think it's going to be like him. Uh, Graham Barton from Duke, who played left tackle at Duke, who'll be at the Senior Bowl. Zach Frazier from West Virginia, who'll be at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's going to be one of the top guys, so he didn't have to play in that game. But it's the second contract. Like teams do that, they go back. Like, what was this guy coming out like? How was he wired coming out? Did he compete every time he had a chance to compete? Because I don't. It's human nature. Once you make generational, like life-changing, money i think everyone's reaction is to take your foot off the gas a little bit and relax and and what these guys want and what these teams want is a guy you pay them and they push the pedal to the metal uh they keep the pedal down and they play the next four or five years at an all pro level that's what you're paying them to do and i think when you see a window you you look for little windows into a guy's true makeup and his true character and i think a lot of like this whole process from bowl game through the pre-draft process, these guys kind of show themselves. If you really look closely, you can see patterns of how guys are wired. And uh, so, yeah, like bringing it back to Cedric and all these guys that played in that bowl game, I think, I think it only helps them. And let's start with Cedric. So Jim,
0: where does a number one or a number two center fall in the draft? Where, where could Cedric go and what are some
1: of the things that he's going to want to do at the senior bowl uh, to show the NFL scouts? Yeah, those guys usually start coming off somewhere in the second round. It's rare nowadays. I mean, Ryan Kelly went to the Colts out of Alabama a few years ago, whatever that was, seven, eight years ago. He went in the middle of the first. Um, But even a guy like Creed Humphrey, who was in the Senior Bowl a couple years ago and is an All-Pro player now um, in a a short career. I mean, Creed's a stud, and he went, like, in the 50s, I want to say, somewhere off off the top of my head. So they start that middle of the second. Um, You're looking to draft starters in the first three rounds. So usually if you've got a starting level center, like they'll go in the third, um, you know, again, so that that's where I think he's at. I think that's probably safely in the third round. Could he play his way, way up into the second? Sure he can. Um, and I think for the centers, it's uh, like the position versatility thing isn't that big of a deal because you're going to be drafting Cedric to to be your starting center. Like if you were drafting him to be a backup, you would want him to play guard as well. I don't I don't think Cedric has to worry about playing too much guard. Um I mean, it certainly helps in a pinch if you if you need to move over, you know, at the next level. But I think I think what where he's got to show is um, teams are really going to want to get him on the board just like a quarterback. I mean, the, the centers get interviewed very similarly to the quarterbacks. I mean, those are he's going to have to answer, you know, all the different IDs and identify, you know, the identifications, the different you know, changing protections and, and helping the quarterback. And just, again, if he gets drafted by a team with a young quarterback and he's the starting center, I don't care if he's a rookie or a vet. Like, he's going to be expected to help out. You have to help that rookie quarterback. So so the interview part will be huge. Um, and, again, you want to say that Cedric's went against all these great defensive linemen in the SEC. And if you're going to find them, they're, they are from the SEC. Um, but quite frankly, this year's SEC group, there wasn't a lot of great pass rushing yeah. defensive tackles. So he's going to see a couple really good pass rushing defensive tackles. Um, and teams are just going to want to see if he can stay in front of them. Bottom line, can he move his feet um, laterally and stay in front of guys in pass protection? Because he's a big, strong guy. He's got good mobility in the run game. Um, so, yeah, he's a, he's a clean prospect, man. I mean, I've, I've met him a couple times at the SEC media days. I want to say he's been there at least a couple times with you Mike. You guys maybe caravan from Athens together but uh <laughs> but he'll do a great job. He's got a great head on his shoulders, very mature. Um I think he's going to crush this process.
0: Yeah, I do, I do too. Sed's uh said's 21 22 going on 30, man. This this guy's a pro already. Uh I going to go to Marcus Roseme Jake Saint, you know, maybe maybe one of the more underappreciated players. You For know, sure. we all, we all think about receivers and and catches and and MRJ can certainly do that, but um, talk to his strengths and, and some of the opportunities that he's going to have down there in mobile as well.
1: He is a really cool football player, Mike. Um, and, and I give your fan base a lot of credit. They recognize that, um, when we announced Roseme uh, Jack saying a few days ago, um, it was amazing in the comments to the, your fan base understood the blocking. They understood the dependability with the hands. They understood the special teams part of it. Again, where he's projected to go, like he's a he's a day three guy for sure. If you asked anyone outside the Georgia fan base who Marcus is, they wouldn't know who he is. Um, but I think your fan base has an appreciation, um, and I think I think you know the NFL has an appreciation. So you know we don't make these selections unless I vet these guys out. Especially, you know, Marcus has taken a spot. I had to reserve about six or seven spots for junior receivers um and right now they're not coming out i mean there's like the two guys from lsu i think declared today brian thomas jr malik neighbors but there's some there's some junior receivers that have chosen to stay in so that's why we pulled the trigger on marcus um but i vetted him out to guys in the league like what do you think if we add? and i i sent like three names to him you know this guy this guy or that guy um and marcus is a guys like he's like jim the kid's a stud like We'd love to have him down there. Like kind of don't want to, don't want you to invite him because we, we want him to keep flying under radars. You bring him to mobile right. you're gonna expose him a little bit. Um, but he's everything you're looking for in a day three receiver. He's, he's tough, dependable. His hands are incredible. When you throw it to him, he makes the play. I mean, that's the thing in the NFL. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities as a, you know, third, fourth, fifth receiver. So when they do it, throw it, throw it to you, you better catch it. Um, and he's got phenomenal catch skills and then he he blocks his tail off he's played on special teams he's a high character guy um his dad actually texted me the other night and thanked me for inviting his son which i don't ever expect it but families rarely do that i do not expect it at all but it was really it's really cool to hear that every once in a while so uh so no man he's he's uh he's a fun player he and jordan whittington from texas are the two receivers in this class that are more like day three type of players that we invited um, like middle around guys, but both are like off the charts and tangible guys yep. that every NFL team would want.
0: Yep, yep. And and certainly he is a guy that loves football as well. And excited about Marcus Rosemie, Jack Saint being there, excited about Cedric Van Pran being there, excited about Tyke Smith being there, uh, another guy who's gonna have to prove himself in other capacities. He was kind of the star player for the Bulldogs this year. If you looked at how Tykey handled himself I thought he handled himself really well Uh, made some plays uh, you know and this was a guy that transferred a few years ago from West Virginia and really the first year you know had the injury with the foot um, really didn't make the sort of impact that I think Georgia thought he was going to make and but this year he was a big time player he was a playmaker for the dogs and 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 I said it earlier I said that I thought that every offensive position went down a level I thought the defensive. Positions went down on the D-line, linebacker. I thought the secondary was the only place where I would say it held its own. And that's a compliment because Keely Ringo was quite a playmaker, and so was Chris Smith. Uh, But Tyke Smith was the reason why we could say that the secondary didn't drop off. I, I mean, when you're that special, when you're that good, when you're winning 29 games in a row, which is what Georgia did, which is just unbelievable everybody's good. So for Taiki to come in and make an impact this year to the point where he gets a senior bull invite, Jim, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I was surprised he got the invite. I was pleased he got the invite because it was only really one full year, but what does Tykee bring and what are people going to want to see from him down there in Mobile?
1: Yeah. Sorry for the technical difficulties, Mike. Oh, no problem. I get a phone call. It's dropping me off this, off this uh, podcast. So, uh apologies for that. But uh no, Tyke's kind of in a similar vein that we just talked about, Marcus. He's he's an underappreciated guy, probably in the, the whole draft space, uh, you know, in, in terms of the media. He's a he's just a really good football player. He's done a great job at that star position for Georgia, which is really a critical place in Kirby's defense. I think Georgia fans know that by now. You have to have a guy in there that is really smart, who can communicate, who's tough and can tackle. Um, I mean, there's a huge run support role to that position that I don't think a lot of fans, they think DB, they think you're just out there covering people. But when you're in that role in the slot, like you've got to be able to, you're you're a big fitter in run support. Um, So he's really tough. And it's not just the toughness. He's a good tackler. Um, He gets people on the ground. We're going to play him at some safety during the week. I think that's going to really help him. Um, He's he's similar to Jalen Petrie, who we had in the game a few years ago from Baylor, who's a stud right now for the Houston Texans. Uh see him as a similar player and and you know, Petrie played a similar position in Baylor's offense and uh came down to the senior bowl and and blew it out in coverage. And we're playing him deep. Um, so I think you know, Tyke's gonna do a lot of that. And when he's in position to make plays on the ball, he makes plays on the ball. So um so he's just a really cool football player. Again, I think he's more of a day three guy. Yeah. Um, but he's I think he's gonna, gonna be a guy that will end up being a really good pro. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he starts for a team because he's just I think he's going to have some safety flexibility, some nickel flexibility. Everybody's looking for that nickel-free safety guy. Um, and I think Tyke can do that. Like, I I don't know what the combine's going to be like for him. I don't know how fast he's going to run. I don't know any of that. I know there's some questions to the speed and everything like that. Um, but he's one of those guys, the more you watch him on tape, the more you like him. He His game certainly grows on you. It did you know, me. You no, know, it does. No, not a day two guy that
0: I think has day one talent, Lad McConkie. Like I said, I think this guy's going to absolutely – be the star um you know you had that running back from tulane last year that really lit it up Uh, lad is that on steroids i mean and 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 a personable guy there's gonna be a lot of autographs a lot of people are going to want to meet lad mcconkey i know you guys are going to put him behind a microphone he could run for governor i mean this kid is special this is a really special guy jim um first of all i guess i just ask you about your thoughts on lad's ceiling i mean he's had some injuries but if Lad runs that high four three, and I don't know that he does. He may be quicker than he is fast. I don't think I've ever seen him get caught from behind. That said, when he's healthy, um, I'll, I'll let you. You're the pro scout. Uh, who's your comp for him, and what are your thoughts on Lad McConkey?
1: Yeah, Lad's an easy guy to like. He was our second graded uh, senior wideout over the summer behind Roma Dunsey for Washington. Wow, uh, what we think of him. So uh, really good player. I think he is fast, Mike. I would not be surprised if he touches in the four threes. I think you saw it the other night on that double pass where he turned that in. I mean, you, you don't do that being a quicker than fast guy. That kid's got wheels. Um, so he can, you know, he can get deep. I think the biggest thing on junior tape, like the one knock Mike was, and you Georgia fans remember he got loose on a bunch of deep balls a year ago and Stetson hit him and he dropped and he had some drops. Um, he had some critical down the field drops and. uh, you know, this year when he was out there and healthy, he's, he's had a really good year, but the injury thing, you know, kept him out some, Uh, I was at the Auburn game where he came back. So it was kind of cool to see him out there for the first time, but he's quick and fast again, like you hate to do the white guy on white guy, like lazy comparison thing, but there is some Cooper cup to him. You know, I, I think he's faster than Cooper cup. Um, but in terms of a route runner getting in and out of breaks and, uh, you know, just stemming guys and setting guys up and having a feel for for working open space, like he can do that, um, and he can run after the catch. And those are all things Cooper has been ridiculous at. I mean, I mean, think of two years ago, Cooper Cup won the triple crown, uh, you know, in receiving yards, receptions, and touchdown catches. That's that. I mean, Jerry Rice maybe the last guy that did that. I don't know, but um, so when I when I make a Cooper Cup comparison, like I'm not doing that lightly, and I'm not I'm not doing it because it's one white guy and another white guy um they do have a similar skill set so yeah the durability thing will come into question teams will want to you know they'll dive into that but again I'm just strict tape evaluation um he's a he's a got a chance to be a number one receiver for any team wow could be a first round pick you didn't
0: say that I said that we'll see the senior bowl is going to be a prime time opportunity Jim before I let you go there were a couple games last night uh I'd love to get your take um, guys that stood out, A couple senior quarterbacks. I, 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 forgive me for not knowing the Senior Bowl roster by heart, but man, Michael Penix is a guy I keep looking at. Man, um, wh- what do you think about Penix? I guess JJ McCarthy is a guy uh, that, that that could project in the NFL. Who are the Senior Bowl quarterbacks at the moment that have been announced? And what do you think of those two guys?
1: Yeah, at the moment we've got uh, we've got Spencer Rattler. Um, keeping in this in the, in the Rattler from South Carolina, Joe Milton from from Tennessee. We've got Michael Pratt uh, from Tulane. We've got a big announcement tomorrow. Um, I'll just say this, those three guys that were in New York for the Heisman, we have commitments from two of those three guys. Um, They don't want to they don't want us to announce that just yet. So we're going to wait on that. Um, And J.J. McCarthy will certainly be a guy that's uh, in the mix for us if he comes out, because we can get the juniors now. So he would be a big one for us. And again, I think the senior bowl makes sense for all those guys. Cause right now they're really jockeying for the third spot between behind Caleb Williams and Drake May. So, you know, if you, if you're, like I said, we get back to the competitive part. If you're really a competitor and you want to show these teams what you're built of, like if you're, if you're really fighting for the third spot, why would you not come down and take advantage of a week around these decision makers? And again, who knows, maybe you surpassed one of those two other guys, yeah. you know, in, in, to Michael Penix, he was ridiculous last night. Um, made a massive jump from last year. He was senior bowl eligible last year. We did not invite him. And again, that's not just our evaluation. I mean, that's we we include the NFL in that too. So we're talking about a guy that was probably a sixth round pick a year ago, who has moved himself up quite a bit. So there are like Ladd McConkey. There's some injury durability stuff that needs to be worked through. Um, I think people are knocking him for his age. I don't think the league cares too much about the age thing. We saw Henan Hooker go in the third round with a torn ACL last year, and he was 25 years old. So I don't think the league cares about the age thing. It's more the durability part. Um, but, man, he's had a phenomenal year, and last night was was incredible.
0: It, it was, and he is such a character guy. I got to tell you, he is such a high character guy. And I keep going back to that because I really feel like it, it translates. And um, take it another step for me. Uh, cause I know you're, you've got a bunch of football fans on and yeah, you saw it from a scout's angle, but you're a football guy, just purebred football guy, Jim, what, what was your breakdown of those games and what we saw happen last night, Michigan, Alabama and Washington, Texas?
1: Well, the Michigan Bama one was hard for me cause I'm a Michigan grad and my wife's a Bama grad. So we were, <laughs> um, but that was, a, that was just a great football game. You know, that's all I wanted. I, uh, Michigan stumbled the last couple of years. I just wanted it to be a good game. I didn't want you know, Georgia blew them out a couple years ago. They they lose to TCU last year. So I was just hoping it was a good competitive game. And then once we got to halftime and we were still in it, I was like, all right, let's go win this thing. But uh, I thought Michigan dominated the first half. I, you know, it was too bad they weren't up more. Then I felt like Alabama came out of the locker room and really took control of it. Um, and then Michigan made the plays down the stretch when they needed to make them. The, the hard part was the special teams. I mean, God, it would have all been, it would have been all about the, the miscues in the kicking game. So if they can clean that up, I think they're, you know, this should be a really good game. And then the Washington, Texas game, I I thought Texas might have had a little advantage in the trenches. Just that D line at Texas is, is as close to an SEC defensive line. And then frankly, more talented than any SEC defensive line this year. They got, they got two guys, Sweat and Murphy on the inside that are both coming to the senior bowl. That'll be top 50 draft picks, um, could be first rounders. And they've got Alfred Collins, who's going to stay another year. If he came out this year, he'd be a second rounder. Um, they're loaded, so I thought that might be a little advantage for for Texas. But you know, credit Washington and all those playmakers. Michigan's going to have a hard time scoring with that Washington team. But Michigan, man, that team seems like they're on a mission, Mike. I'll say that. Like those team, those those kids are. They they have bonded together over all this Jim Harbaugh stuff over the year, just talking to everyone I I know in Ann Arbor, like that. This is as close a team as you will find, and that's scary. You know, you get you get a team that's this in it with it for each other. Um, they just kind of seem like they're, they're uh, I don't know, man, there's a level of investment there that you don't hear a lot. So it, it should be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. I'd be remiss if I didn't
0: ask you this, Jim. You're on a Georgia program, and people are going to want to know what you think about Brock Bowers, and they're also going to know what you think about – what Georgia might have, could have, woulda, and and we don't often play the what if game. But you had an opportunity to see Georgia at full strength with Lad and Brock when they were in the game, and when Carson had some weapons. I mean, was Georgia a team that had the juice to win a national title with a little bit of luck, staying healthy? And what do you expect to see from Brock Bowers in the NFL?
1: Yeah, for sure they did, Mike. No, that's that doesn't take a NFL scout. Their fan, your fan base knows. I mean that that. That that, they could have beaten anybody on any given day. There's no question about it. Um, you know, unfortunately they didn't play their best game against Alabama and Alabama rose up and, and played their best game. Um, so again, that's, it's unfortunate how it all worked out. A good thing after next year, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the expanded playoff and it won't be an issue, but, um, no, they're, they're a great team, Brock Bowers. It'll be really exciting. Um, what he can be as a pro. I think that, uh, you know, again, you can label Brock whatever you want. I've heard some bad narratives out there in the draft media so far that, you know, they comparisons to like Kyle Pitts and that he's like an F tight end. That's, you guys have seen this kid block. Like he'll put his face on you. He's tough. Like he's not like some of these guys are glorified receivers coming out of college. Like, I don't think that's Brock Bowers. I think he's, I think he's an all around football player. He's a weapon. You guys have done a great job using him in like the you know the jet sweep game and some of that stuff. He's got that running back background in high school. Um, you get him with a creative coordinator. I'd love. I mean, it's not going to happen. I would love to see him go to like Kyle Shanahan or somebody like that. That really. <laughs> I mean, God bless the league if that ever happened. But uh, but but he's he's just such a weapon and such a great player. And I was I was at um, I was at the South Carolina game his true freshman year. I brought my son up there um, for a game when he was in high school, his junior year, we went to a game up there. And that was, I mean, that kid was ready to go to the NFL as a true freshman. I've seen too many players physically that, that, uh, and he would have been a first rounder two years ago, but he would have been drafted as a true freshman. There's no question about it. So, um, I hope he lands in a good spot somewhere, somewhere that uses him well. Um, you know, he's just, he's a no brainer, you know, like I know everyone up there loves him and he's high character guy. I haven't dug in too deep, but um, whoever picks him is going to get a special player. He's a special
0: guy. Yeah, looking forward to Brock Bar. looking forward to all these Georgia guys. And for a lot of them, um, you know, the journey goes to the Senior Bowl. Some re- some magic's happened there. Devontae Wyatt turned himself into a first-rounder at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago with an outstanding camp. We mentioned Mark Webb and, you know, Kenny McIntosh. If he doesn't go to the Senior Bowl, probably not getting drafted. It just – it's helped so many guys. And I know, you know, fans it's, – it's a hard connect. But Georgia, as they've gotten better and better, and they've started to permeate the NFL – and they really look closely at this process. Yeah, we get the combine, but now what is this senior bowl thing? And we're going to try to bring you a lot of coverage and video of that. Jim does a great job with the access down there. And, and I know that those Georgia players we mentioned that are going to be there, uh, they all like to do interviews. They're all comfortable in front of the camera. Can't wait to find out who this jo- this junior is. You're saying, now, according to the rules, you cannot
1: promote this on social media or announce a junior. Just They just show up there, right? Right. Not till January 9th. So a week from today, we'll be all announced all the juniors. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big push. It'll be on the NFL Network a week from tonight. I think it's at ten o'clock Eastern time. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a big push. It's a big year for us, you know, getting these underclassmen. There's some, there's some really big names. Um, and we still got, we still got a week to add some. So I mean, again, there's gonna be 20, 25 juniors, uh, a, a bunch of first, second, third round picks. Um, we're really not taking any juniors that aren't. In that range, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to bring juniors, they might as well be really good ones. Um, if we're, if we're bringing fifth and sixth round guys to the senior bowl, we're going to, we're going to bring the seniors. We're going to bring guys like uh, Marcus, Roseby, Jack Saint, guys that really earned it over four years.
0: Yep. And, and I'll be,
1: I, I got I'll keep an ear. I, I think I know who it is. I'm excited if it's who I
0: think it is. And, and, and I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep dropping little notes on Kendall Milton to you, Jim. I think this guys I can't help it. This guy's been here four years. He's won a lot of people over. And after that game, I swear to you, it wasn't 30 minutes after that game and he gets asked about the Orange Bowl. He says, I'm not going to abandon my brothers. I've been through hell and back. I'm not giving up an opportunity. And then he goes out there and wins MVP in one half a play. Pretty impressive young man and a ceiling that I think is really high. So we'll see. I know you've got a lot of other really deserving guys. Every team has guys, believe me, folks, they are fighting to get in. There was a coach, and I won't, he went on national television and called out Jim because his running back, like, I'm like, wait a minute. It's one thing to pick up the phone. You're going to go on television and lobby for this guy? That's how competitive these coaches are fighting for their players, and it doesn't surprise me to hear that Kirby Smart has done everything he can for these Bulldogs with Jim, and, and Jim Jim's got an eye for Georgia. Um, he comes up to Georgia a lot. And you told me, Jim, you've been impressed with how this culture's grown here.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been fun watching Kirby get it done. Um, you know, I knew him back in Alabama and was in there all the time. So to see it take shape, um, and it it, did, it didn't happen overnight. You know that. You were on the program. It didn't happen overnight. There were some people bucking it. But, uh, no, they're bought in. It's so competitive. The NFL knows what they're getting from those guys. Um, yeah, got called out on, on uh, ESPN the other night by – but but again, it was it was Coach Drinkwitz and I'll say like, we he didn't do that. He's been we've been going back and forth about Cody Schrader for a long time. And and again, Cody Schrader, think about that. I mean, you bring up Kendall, and I'm not trying to stay on too long, but right. you know, like Kendall Milton for sure. But we've got eight running back spots. There's hundred and thirty-two FBS schools, you know, and then there's uh, you know, countless other like Cody Schrader led the SEC in rushing. He had 1,600 yards. didn't have an invite until a few nights ago when, when uh, Drink got on TV. But, uh, no, we were – so it is. It's very competitive. If, if the guys don't get an invite, um, it's not because we don't like them. I mean, Kendall Milton, I think he's a draft pick. If I were a GM, I'd draft him. I think he's going to have a good NFL career. But when you're trying to pick eight running backs over the entirety of college football, um, it's hard. It's, hard. it's, it's tough. tough especially with juniors, especially with juniors. Jim, thanks so much for your time.
0: I really appreciate it, man. I look forward to working uh, closely with you the rest of this month. I'll be down there at the senior bowl Kaylee Manzel, I think uh, will be down there with me as well. We'll be doing stories. we'll be doing
1: interviews people can follow you. what's your Twitter handle, Jim? yeah, it's at jim Nagy underscore sV. so um I've been down there for a while now it's it's still weird for me after all these years. I'm still not a I don't love the social media thing, but it's But it's been fun. It's a good way to promote these players and and really pump the draft process. No, no, you don't understand, Jim. We love your your Twitter because Jim will get after people. He does not take crap on Twitter. He's one of those
0: guys when you go, you know, he probably shouldn't have, but you're glad that he did because somebody needed to say it. So it's an awesome Twitter account. It's fun to follow. You're always great in all your interviews, whether it's with us, ESPN, on three. Uh, Really appreciate you, Jim. Jim, thank you for joining us tonight. On the Ingles on the Beach Show, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Nagy, Senior Bowl Executive Director. That's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, Brandon Adams, Dog Nation Daily, Wednesday night, it's Jeff Centel before the hedges. You got Connor Riley every Sunday and Kaylee Manziel. Uh, you know, we'll see her pop up at the Senior Bowl, and we see her on the uh, we've seen her uh, on the Jittery Joe's kickoff shows this week. This year on Saturdays, um, and I uh, just all sorts of great stuff from Dog Nation. I'm, I'm falling all over myself because there's so much stuff that we've got going on, and I'm trying to cover all the bases. But if you go to dognation.com and you go to our Facebook page and our YouTube page, you're going to see content all week long as we continue to cover everything Georgia-related and college football-related. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thanks for the production tonight, uh, Kaylee, and I will see you next week.